This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries, official sponsor of Faction 46 and Nice Motorsports Truck Series teams. Forney offers versatile welding and plasma cutting machines, along with a full line of metalworking accessories for beginners, do-it-yourselfers, and professionals. Forney has everything you need for your next metalworking project. Shop for these top-of-the-line products at ForneyIND.com, that's F-O-R-N-E-Y-I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They had been been around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no. I think the the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was a chicken. And so he ran off the boat. And actually, he was the guy who who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item packed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my name is Rick Houston, and welcome to the Moneyline Scene Vault Podcast, your source for all things NASCAR history. Presented by Las Vegas Motor Speedway, America's racing showplace. Oh, I'll, next, next cup race, I'll be there. I'll get, you know, me and him, you know, we'll get together. There wasn't no next week. There wasn't no next cup race. Y'all need to turn TV on now. I said, what's wrong? She said, need to turn TV on now, on the news. Adam's been in a bad wreck. Not only upset because I loved Adam, but I knew Kyle was hurt. Kyle was like a brother to me, a big brother. I knew Kyle's heart was broke, and it broke my heart. The day NASCAR and all of us associated in any way with NASCAR forget its past, that's the day we don't have any future. Hello, everyone. I'm Steve Wade. And my name is Rick Houston, and welcome to the Moneyline Scene Vault Podcast presented by Las Vegas Motor Speedway. America's racing show place and a track that truly cares about NASCAR history. Steve, I just want to start out this week's episode by saying how sorry I was. And I'm sure you were too. When I saw the news yesterday about Sherry Pollock's yeah. passing away, of course, Sherry had been battling ovarian cancer for several years. And when you talk about somebody diving in and becoming an advocate, Sherry went all in and it just seemed like it became as much about helping others as it was finding a cure for herself. Well, Rick, I admired Sherry. I certainly did. I admired her courage. I admired her determination. And I admired her selflessness just to take this issue and try to make it better for others. That's what she tried to do. I hope I never go through something like that. But if and when I do, I've got to imagine that a big battle would be feeling sorry for myself. You know, I can't speak for her. I don't know what went through her mind, but if, and when she ever felt like that, she got over it very quickly and turned her attention to others and helping them in the battle against this disease. Sherry was the daughter of Greg Pollux, who owned the team that won the 2000 Bush series championship with Jeff Green behind the wheel. So I knew her a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to that PPC racing team, I also think about Marcy Scott, who lost her life to breast cancer. Marcy was the PR rep for that team. And so for Sherry and Marcy to lose their lives in this just terrible situation, I really feel for Sherry and her family and, of course, Marcy, who passed away several years ago. Well, Rick, there's no doubt the NASCAR world was much better with Sherry and Marcy in it and they will be truly missed. And Steve, this week, it is going to be a very emotional episode because we talk about Sherry and Archie Kennedy in this week's installment of our interview with him. He talks about the loss of his friend and protege, Adam Petty. And as we've done in the past, when we deal with such an emotional topic, we're not going to be going through a scene issue of the week in this episode because to me it just would not be appropriate yeah i agree with you rick very much so and steve we're not going to talk about patreon we're not going to talk about paypal or venmo or anything like that this week 
If you want to help us out, donate to your cancer charity of choice. That's all we ask. Absolutely. Absolutely, Rick. That's the best thing people could do right about now. And as a reminder, this show is not affiliated in any way with American City Business Journal's owner of the same brand. So Bobby Hamilton joined the team in 1995, and things really seemed to start turning around. Yeah. What was the difference? Bobby knew a lot about the race cars way he from his past at the local short tracks. Robbie and Bobby, they, they got along really good to start with. Bobby was a good driver, really good driver. And Bobby knew a lot about the race cars. And it was quite a bit of difference. And with no disrespect to Rick Wilson or Wally Dollenbach or whoever, Bobby could tell Robbie what he wanted. I want to round in. I want to round out. Do this. Do that. On the pit stop. Wonder. That was wonderful. We ain't never heard this. We haven't been hearing this from nobody. So, I think the first year we finished ninth in the points, if I'm not mistaken. And. Bobby was a fun guy. One, I mean, just liked to joke, liked to laugh. Just a great guy. 1996 Rockingham. And I was there. I was in the pits with you guys. Bobby's in position to win the first race of his career, but gets moved a little bit or a whole lot by Dell Earnhardt late in the race. Mm -hmm. What was your reaction? We all kind of seen it coming. <laughs> we knew, you know, I love Dale. Dale was a great race car driver and a great person at the motorhome, too, to talk to. Wonderful person. But we knew if he got to that back bump, we knew what was going to happen. We just didn't think he was going to be that big. We was all excited because we was all ready to win. Everybody at Petty Enterprise on the crew was ready to win. You know, this it's coming. Well, when that happened, he hit us, you know, and then knock, knock the car out of whack. We come in. We done something. And what happened was it, it must have knocked the camera out of the rear end. We went back out. Bobby spun the car, hit the wall. Just, that was it. We were done. That was probably the maddest I've ever seen Richard Petty. Richard didn't say a word. Went right back on the bus and just sat there. And looked right out the window. Linda come out the bus. I said, he's mad. I said, I know he's mad. He ain't saying nothing. <laughs> when Richard gets quiet like that, he is he's he was mad. So there's some other things I could tell you what Dale <laughs> Earnhardt come up to next week and come up to Dale Inman and said, Dale Hollow ain't gonna be mad at me. But I'm not going to tell you what Dale said. I can't. This is a family channel. So <laughs> I'm not going to call you. know Dale M. And I well, paraphrase. <laughs> well, I better not say it just to be respectful to everybody involved. But Dale, you know how Dale Inman was. Yeah. And Dale was. Dale was 100% Richard Petty STP. You know, Dale was a racer. Didn't put up with nothing. And when that happened, boy, Dale was fierce. Dale did get loud. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, it was worth a shot. Yeah. So you go from that point in February to Phoenix later that year. 
and Bobby wins. You're there. Tell me about that day. Well, we'll back up just a little bit. Everything was going good. The, the 25th anniversary of STP, we had different paint scheme, a lot of fun, having a great year. Indianapolis, I hurt my knee, tore ACL. What happened was we come in, Bobby, Bobby said I got a flat tire. Unfortunately, we qualified bad, so we're on that in the pit road. When Bobby said he was coming in, he was already in. So we all, as soon as we jumped to the wall, as soon as we got to the wall, we had to go. There wasn't no waiting on Bobby. He was there. As soon as I planted that right front wheel, right front leg, Bobby's was right there. So I had to jump and twist out of the way to keep from getting hit. When I did, I tore my knee up bad. Didn't know it. Thought I just jammed it. So we done right sides. Come to find out it was the left rear. Bobby says, wrong tire, I'm coming back in. And here I am with a busted knee, didn't know it. Thought I'd sprained my leg. So I had to jump back over the wall again with a torn ACL, finish it. And I said, so when I got done, I fell against the wall. I told Mickey, our pilot, he was doing the signboard. I said, Mickey, I'm done. I said, I can't do another pit stop. So everybody, <laughs> the guys gave me a goodie powder and said, walk around, you'll be okay. I went, I don't know, guys. So luckily that was the last pit stop. I don't know what we ended up lap down or something. So I'm out for the rest of the season. And we had a the guy on the truck team, Richard's truck team, to jack the car on Sunday. Ned. So of course I, we was all excited to win Phoenix. There was no doubt. No doubt everybody was happy. It, it bothered me because I wasn't jacking the car. I wanted to be the jack man when we won our first race. But we was there. We all had a great time. We won the race. It was awesome. So for you, it was bittersweet. Bittersweet, for sure. Because I, I wanted to be the jack man when we won that first race, and I wasn't. When, how long was your recuperation? Did you have to have surgery? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to have a cleanup surgery uh, to start with, and then after... Dover that year, I went in for the replacement, not the replacement, but reconstruction. They had to make a new ligament, screw it in, you know, screw it in both places. Rehab until time I left for Daytona. I, they let me start practicing in January with the brace. And then I continued to wear the brace all year. They said I didn't have to, but I did anyway. Because of, you don't know what's going to happen on pit road. So. Bobby wound up leaving at the end of the 97 season, what happened? Like the old saying goes, the honeymoon was over. And we won Rockingham that that year. And and Bobby knew after we won Rockingham that he had made a mistake. He had already signed for on Morgan McClure to drive the four car. And you could see it in his face. And everybody knew Bobby was upset. And we won the race happy about that. But he knew that he was leaving somewhere where he knew he was really happy. And there was more potential there. So I, th I think the honeymoon was over. It was just, I know everybody wasn't happy that, as far as the management, was not happy with Bobby leaving to go to the four car. Then I think that it just, it just snowballed from there. You know what I mean? And we all still got along with Bobby. We all loved Bobby, no doubt. But it's just 
we had we felt like we had we was gaining momentum. And like, what in the world? Yeah. You know? So So John Andretti rejoined the team in ninety eight. What was his personality like? A whole lot different than Bobby's. <laughs> John was a, a great guy, great family man. Um serious, very serious about racing. Um of course the Andretti family, there's no doubt about that, but he was he was excited. He was very excited to come back to Petty Enterprises for ninety eight and we all had high hopes too, you know. Um he was he was uh he wasn't as knowledgeable with a race car as Bobby was, of course, because of Bobby's background. But, but a very, a very good driver. wasn't scared to go fast, at all. You know, people look at me when I say that, and like, trust me, there's a difference. You know, there's race car drivers that don't want to go fast. Then there's race car drivers that take the spoiler off, move the bleachers back, let's go. You know what I mean? John was that guy. John, he didn't care how fast. He, he wanted to go fast. You know, he gave it 110% every week. Robbie Loomis left at the end of the 99 season. How big of a surprise was that? Very big. I mean, I was on, I'll tell you <clears throat> where I was when it, I got the word. I was in a log cabin up in the mountains of North Carolina on vacation. And I didn't hardly have any kind of TV service up there. I had a local TV or whatever. And that's when I found it out, and I went, huh? They said Robbie Loomis left Petty Enterprise to go to crew chief for Jeff Gordon. So you found out on TV? Yeah. Really? I was on vacation. Wow. And I thought, I said, you hearing this? I said, this is unbelievable. Had no idea. You know, we just had one Martinsville with Andretti in the spring. And and then, of course, it shocked John. It shocked everybody. They was like, "Robbie's our crew chief. You know, Robbie's our guy." But and we but you can't blame Robbie. Robbie had bigger plans. You know, I think Robbie had the same plans I had when I left. So, and Robbie, you know, Robbie had a plan, and it worked. So. I, um, I've been dreading asking this question. Um, the team seemed to be getting better and better on the racetrack. Petty Enterprises was on its way back. And then May 12th, the year 2000, uh, the sky fell down around everybody. Uh, how did you find out about Adam's accident? Again, I was at home. I was up in the mountains with Mother's Day weekend. And we had a friend of ours. Um, watching our dog and staying at our house, you know, no big deal. Next thing you know, she called Tina, my wife. She said, you really need, y'all need to turn TV on now. I said, what's wrong? She said, you need to turn TV on now, on the news. Adam's been in a bad wreck. And when I turned it on, it's still hard. Um, he had you know, they had said Adam Petty was killed in a practice crash. And I said, no, ain't no way. No way. 
I just laid face down on the bed and didn't say a word until I could get myself pulled together. When I got myself pulled together, I told my wife, I said, we got to get out of here. We got to go home. I, I don't, we don't, I don't want to be here. I want to be. So we left and came straight home. We hadn't even been there a night yet. We just had got there and checked in the hotel. I ain't going home. I'm going straight to Kyle's. And we went straight to Kyle's. And the highway patrol friend we knew was watching the gate, kind of, you know, because of what just happened. Everybody, I knew everybody was going to pile in. So he let me in. He knew who I was. Went down there. Kyle, Richard, Linda. I don't know. Take it back. My not, Linda wasn't there. It was Kyle, Richard, and Don Tilly sitting on the front porch. Kyle's sisters were there. Sharon, Lisa, and Rebecca. Uh, Patty was in the house, very distraught, obviously. Um, somebody was, I can't remember who was with Patty in there at the time. But uh, seeing Kyle, he wasn't visibly upset, but I was. I was not only upset because I loved Adam, but I knew Kyle was hurt. Kyle was like a brother to me, a big brother. I knew Kyle's heart was broke, and it broke my heart. So that was bad. That was that's probably as bad as it was going to get right there for everybody. Everybody was like, what do we do now? I mean, big plan. We had big plans. Everybody had big plans. Richard just expanded the shop, getting ready for Adam. Everybody was getting ready for Adam. And then this happened. What do you remember about the next few days? Probably about not much of nothing. I just, everybody, I was numb. I'm, I'm guilty of believing, pretending things didn't happen. Then it hits me like a ton of rocks. I'm, you know how we are in racing. There's always next week. We'll back up a week before Adam's accident. Adam's building a new house. I'm at the shop. He was almost done with that new house. Matter of fact, when he got back to New Hampshire, I think he was going to start moving in. He come driving into Petty Enterprise with his Corvette. Drilled down his window and said, hey, Arch. So what's happening? He said, hey, I want you to come see my new house. So I, I said, when you get back to New Hampshire, I'll come over. All right. He went on, you know, went on down to the office. There, there was no the next week. And that, you know, we always say, there's always next week. Oh, don't worry about it. You know, we'll get to it next week. Another regret I have is when he ran his cup race at Texas. Of course, you know, I'm jacking the 43 car. That was April of 2000. And with the past that me and Adam had with the go-karts, we were, we were tight. Okay, you know, we were teammates. Pitchers or whatever, you know, we was there together. Biggest, one of the biggest regrets I have is I didn't walk down into that race car of his before the race, and me and him got our pitcher made together with that race car. His first, what we've been working on all these years since he was eight years old, 
for him to get in a cup car. That was his dream. That's where we all knew he was headed. I did, I did not walk down there because I thought they'll be next week. Oh, I'll, next, next cup race, I'll be there. I'll get, I, you know, me and him, you know, we'll get together. There wasn't no next week. There wasn't no next cup race. I'll always have to live with that. I'm bad about that. I'm bad about putting things off, and I know I shouldn't have. So, and I did. Kyle has talked a lot about the new normal following Adam's accident. For you personally, what was the new normal there at Petty Enterprises? It was it was work as usual. We we had to pick up the pieces. Everybody had commitments, whether it was sponsor commitments, employee commitments. We all had a job to do. And Adam would want us to do our job. He'd want everybody to get back in racing and go, 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 just like he was wanting to do. It was very quiet, very somber around Petty Enterprises and for Adam's team. I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine with my relationship with Adam being at New Hampshire when that happened. I felt bad for those guys. It was just, for a long time, there was no chatter, no laughter. We always had laughs, camaraderie at the shop. There was nothing. Put the cars together, load them on a truck, let's go. I got in the bus, went to the race, didn't ask, we didn't ask no questions. We didn't, nobody said anything, no comments. We just did our deal quietly. And then we just had to slowly get back in the groove and move forward. I was at New Hampshire and I know how it impacted my career. It impacted my career in a big way. So I can only imagine what it was like for you guys. I mean, I, I, I knew Adam, I knew enough to joke with him, but it, it was, you know, certainly not a close personal relationship. The Lord has a plan for everything, and he knew who not to have there at that track and who to have at that track when that accident happened. Kyle was over with Montgomery Lee at a horse show, and I think England, I think somewhere like that. And I was, of course, at, on vacation at home, taking a weekend trip. And like I said, I don't know if I would have been standing there on top of that truck with those guys and seen him hit that wall, knowing at, and after that what happened. I, I don't know. I just I don't know if I could have handled it. I don't know if I. I don't know. I don't know what could have happened. But one of the things that always gets me and I'll respect and look up to Kyle for. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Mike Helton had to call Kyle Petty. They're in another country. Mike Helton said that was the hardest phone call he'd ever have to make. How Kyle kept it together until he got back to the States with Montgomery Lee, I don't know. That man, the, the willpower and the strength that man had to keep it 
Montgomery Lee wasn't, what, 12, 10 and 11 or 12 at the time. Loved her brother to death. For him to keep it together to get back to the United States, Patty and Mickey, the pilots, flew up to New York to meet Kyle and Montgomery Lee on Richard's plane. And Kyle, they didn't tell Montgomery Lee until they got on the plane to come home. The Mickey, the pilot, said he just shut the door. He didn't go on the plane. He just shut the door. He said, let me know when y'all are ready. And that was, Mickey said he could hear Montgomery Lee screaming on, you know, on the plane. That was, I, I just, I look up to Kyle for that, and I, res, I have a lot of respect for Kyle and the strength he had. I couldn't imagine somebody calling me and telling him my child had just been in an accident and didn't make it. And here I am in another country. How, how do you handle that? And you're sitting right next to your daughter. You know you don't want to, you want to get home before you let her know. It's unbelievable. This episode is sponsored by Moneyline, the all-in-one personal finance app designed to help you take control of your money. Moneyline, an official partner of 2311 Racing, has been part of the racing community for years. And no matter if you're prepping for your next tailgate or just looking to upgrade some things around the house, with the Moneyline app, you're one step closer to getting your financial future on the right path. With Moneyline, you can borrow, save, invest, and earn money all in one place. At every turn, Moneyline is helping you set the foundation for a strong financial future. Make sure to follow Moneyline on social media and download the Moneyline app today. Visit moneyline.com slash hotpass for more information. This segment is brought to our listeners by Las Vegas Motor Speedway. America's racing show place. Steve, we have talked many times about the loss of Adam Petty and how devastating that was for the Petty family and their plans for the future. And we have also talked about the impact that it had on me and my career and how one of our twin sons is named in Adam's memory. What I haven't talked about here on the show is how all that actually came about. So here goes. Cancer is a very deeply personal topic with me. I lost my mom to breast cancer and my dad to lung cancer. Steve, you have had throat cancer. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, but I was very lucky, Rick. They told me, the doctors told me, that it was very treatable, and it was. It was not very pleasant, though. And I'm certainly glad to be over it. And cancer is such an onerous disease, I can't tell you how much it's affected me. I actually did this interview with Archie back in January of this year. Now, I held on to it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I had just gotten finished talking to the Petty brothers, Timmy and Mark and Richie. And, you know, I didn't want to run a lot of Petty stuff right back to back. But also, I'm going to be completely honest with you. When it comes to Adam Petty and his story, I have to give myself a break. I understand, Rick. I understand. When it comes to Adam's accident, that accident happened on Friday. We raced on Saturday. And to this day, I honestly don't remember who won. I think 
it was ten feet away. It's weird what comes back to you about a time like that. I do remember putting my arm around Tim's PR rep, Rhonda King, at the press conference where Adam's passing was confirmed. She was sitting right next to me, and of course, we were all emotional. Put my arm around her just to try to comfort her or whatever. That's what I remember. And I remember several other things about that weekend. But I flew home to Charlotte on that Sunday. That was Mother's Day which had also been different since my mom passed away. But it was also different because at that point, Jeannie and I were trying to have kids. We'd had an adoption fall through after the last minute the summer before. And Jeannie was really struggling with wanting kids. And it was not happening as quickly as we were wanting it to. Jamie Reynolds has been on the show before talking about his memories of working with Tommy Houston and his sister. Holy cow, Steve. His sister, Amy. Good Lord. Okay. All right. I'm okay. I'm all good now. (laughs) Get a hold of yourself, Rich. (laughs) Jeannie and I were at a restaurant when Amy and her husband, Tracy, came in with their newborn son. And Jeannie got so upset that we actually got up and left. Well, Rick, I can just imagine. I did not know that you had an adoption that fell through. That had to be particularly hard on you when the kids like you all did. We actually went to the hospital. Good Lord. The baby and all that. Mm. We won't go down that road because, you know, you're not Lucy and you don't have your psychiatric help. <laughs> I've sent sign hanging out. <laughs> the, the doctor is not in. <laughs> so there was Adam's accident on Friday. And then Mother's Day was that Sunday. And just three days after that, I had just sat down at my desk in the office there at Charlotte when I got a call from Jeannie. And I picked up. And the first words out of her mouth were, now don't freak out. <laughs> oh, Steve, when a conversation leads off with don't freak out, what's the first thing you're going to do? Freak out. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to freak the heck out. And then Jeannie said, I found a lump in the shower this morning. I'd lost my mom to breast cancer. And now my wife was saying that she had found a lump in the shower. Time to freak out. That's for sure. That was straight up nine o'clock. Our home was 72 miles away and I was back in our driveway at nine 55. <laughs> it's not the speed limit you were doing. That's for sure. I wasn't speeding. I was qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how to do the math on that and figure out how fast I was going to get home. All I know is that I was booking. I got home. And we flew to the breast clinic in Winston-Salem. They did a biopsy, but they didn't get enough of the tissue to tell for sure. They wanted to wait a few days so Jeannie wouldn't be so sore from the procedure. But we also had an appointment with the baby doctor. And Jeannie was not going to miss that appointment. I can understand that. (laughs) So Thursday morning, we went back to the breast clinic, did another biopsy, and Thank God it did turn out to be benign. And then Jeannie had actually worked it out with the baby doctor and they actually stayed open after hours. So we could make that appointment. We went in on two wheels (laughs) and ran inside, made that appointment. And Steve, that was the day that Adam and Jesse were conceived. And that was just six days after we lost Adam Petty. And Steve, I can't even believe that I'm saying this. But we took our Adam to tour a law school last week. 
Law school. Law <laughs> school, Steve. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Rick, that's just amazing. Adam is looking at law schools. Let me ask you a question. How big is your wallet? Because <laughs> it's going to have to be pretty darn big. Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, race fans, John Dodson here from NASCAR Technical Institute. NASCAR Tech is open and enrolling with classes starting every three to six weeks. In our 48-week automotive technology program, students learn everything from vehicle electronic technology to diagnostics and drivability. And as our exclusive educational provider for NASCAR, we offer a 15-week NASCAR elective where students learn engines, fabrication, aerodynamics, pit crew essentials, and more. NASCAR Tech also offers 36-week welding and CNC machining training programs so you can choose the path that best fits your career goals. Ready to see how you can get started? Visit uti.edu slash NASCAR today. NASCAR Technical Institute prepares graduates to work as entry-level automotive service technicians. Some graduates who take NASCAR-specific electives also may have job opportunities in racing-related industries. NASCAR Tech is an educational institution and cannot guarantee employment or salary. Hello, Scene Vault fans. This is Brian from Speedway Screens. And if you're enough of a NASCAR historian to be listening to this podcast, there's a good chance a piece of the past you've been on the hunt for is in my shop. I'm constantly on the hunt for apparel and collectibles from all genres and eras of motorsports. So whether it be cup cars, dirt modifieds, dragsters, or monster trucks, I've probably got something for you. Check out my inventory at speedwaytsj.etsy.com and be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Speedway Screens for the newest items as soon as they drop and for a peek at what I keep for my own collection. As a special thank you to listeners of this show, just enter scene at checkout for 10% off. Speedwaytsj.etsy.com. That's speedwaytsj.etsy.com. This podcast has been brought to our listeners by Las Vegas Motor Speedway, America's racing showplace. Steve, as we've done in the past when we've lost somebody special in the motorsports community, we're going to close this episode with Amazing Grace played on the bagpipes. And of course, this is in memory of Sherry. This is in memory of Adam and Marcy and everybody else. Steve, we could never name them all. No. Possibly name them all. But Mm. in their memory, we're going to play this just incredible song. Well, Rick, that's a very appropriate thing to do. And let's just say in closing, we won't forget any of them.